Yeah, but I mean, you know, definitely, um, you know, you couldn't do what me and my dad did. We we split a we split a shitty XR back in 2006 because I knew I could ride a twin better than you know trying to you know trying to make a main at like a Daytona short track or a Daytona TT against literally over 100 guys. I was like, yeah. well, let me try and make a twins main event against 60, 70 back then, and. Episode 78, Tank Slapping Podcast. Really hype on this show, a little pre-Thanksgiving edition episode we got here. Excited to bring on our guest, do a little interview. Frankie, unfortunately, cannot make the show tonight. He's got some sort of meeting or he's working. I forget what he actually told me he's doing, but unable to come on the show. We're going to get Robbie Bobby McClendon on after... After we talk with our guest, and we're going to discuss the 2022 American Flat Track schedule was released today. So who else to bring on than Robbie Bobby? Guy's always got an opinion, very knowledgeable, but always got an opinion. So we're going to bring Robbie Bobby on, talk about that. Our guest for today is Canadian Doug Lawrence. Uh, I think Dougie's our first Canadian we've had on the show I know I tried to get Steve Beattie on and he kind of blew me off. So um, Doug Lawrence on the pod, pretty, pretty hype on it. So Dougie is like the people's champ in Canada. Super nice guy. National number 73, really consistent rider has a lot of, I, I looked up his stats before he came on. Like I've raced with Dougie quite a bit, but um, didn't don't really know, you know, the stats on these guys until I look them up and, a consistent top uh, top 10 guy for a decade or more. Like he's, he's been getting after it. He's uh, even though he's from Canada, those, those Canadian riders, they're typically really, really fast on the cushion racetracks. They got a lot of those pea gravel half miles and miles up in Canada. They race, but Dougie actually is one of the few guys who I first know from Canada being great on like the clay, the, the slippery clay tracks like uh, Rapid City and Hagerstown, um, which is kind of uncommon, you know, eventually, like, I mean, obviously, BD, uh, he, he's done well on those tracks, as, uh, you know, in his career, and um, uh, Don Taylor, I know, I know he's done well on some of those tracks, and uh, yeah, I mean, a lot of great riders from Canada, man, they do a really good job with their series up there, so excited to bring Bring Dougie fresh on and chat with him, man. It's another guy from my era um, that I kind of grew up racing with and cut my teeth in the pro ranks against Dougie. And it'd just be good to get him on and get his insight uh, on what, what talk about his career a little bit, get some, you know, thoughts on the series today and then what his plans are for the future. And I don't even know what, how the series is going up in Canada. I know, other countries, they're a lot more locked down than the uh, United States these last couple of years. So um, we'll chat with him about that. I want to make sure we shout out our sponsors that make this pod possible week in and week out. I'm going to try and bang out some more pods here in the next month. Um, it's been tough, man, with racing full time and planning the winter throwdown and everything else I got going on. Uh, it's been it's been tough to get these going, but I want to give a shout out to the sponsors that make this happen. Bell Power Sports. We, we talk about it a lot, but, um, you know, if you want to hear more or learn more about the helmets and, and what Bell brings to the table, do your research. You know, it's 
when I switched over to Bell Helmets a couple of years ago from the other brands, I, I did my research and I'm, I was thoroughly impressed with everything I've read about the helmet and then putting the helmet on and actually wearing it. I was like, man, I'm, I made the right decision. So really, really excited for, for what Bell is doing in our sport. They're super involved in flat track and they support our podcast. Check them out, bellhelmets.com. If you start Tank Slab and you want to be protected by Bell, Yamaha Motorsports and Yamaha Racing. Yamaha had a phenomenal year this year across the board. I was, I think on one of the last podcasts, I was running off the names of riders who won a title with Yamaha this year. And I went cycling with Jesse Janish down in Florida recently. He's like, yeah, Yo, you forgot this guy and you forgot that guy. And just so many champions, uh, you know, MotoGP, World Superbike, British Superbike. American flat track. There was two of us, uh, motocross, Dylan Fernandez. Uh, I think Coop, Justin Cooper won a, a regional title in supercross 250 class Walker Fowler and GNCC racing. Just, I know I'm probably Janish is probably going to tell me the, the rest of the ones I'm missing, but yeah, he's, uh, yeah, they're crushing it. Yamaha, um, big supporters of what I do and, uh, big supporters of the podcast. Check out their website at yamahamotorsports.com. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. I just recently, so I, I go running at the gym and uh, I go, I run outside the gym. There's like a little mile trail, or whatever. And all, all the time, not all the time, well, damn near all the time, there's this Indian challenger that sits out uh, right in front of the door. This guy must have VIP parking. And I just like, I think it was yesterday, one of the days I just sat there and looked at the bike and man, I just, I, one of these days, I'm literally going to go in the gym and ask homie if I can ride his steed. Uh, I looked on the website today and just so many great models and uh, bikes Indians putting out basically for, for everybody. You know, you got the, the FTR, the, the FTR rally is probably the bike I would pick. That bike is awesome. Uh, the Scout, the Scout Bobber, uh, the Scout 60, the Chief, the Challenger, the Roadmaster, there's just phenomenal bikes Indians putting out. And obviously we're, we're in an era right now where they're just kicking ass and flat track and hooligan racing, bagger racing, uh, Indians doing a lot of great things with the sport. So I uh, want to give a shout out to Indian for supporting our podcast, man. It's really cool to have the support of Indian on, on this, on this quote unquote little pod. And uh, yeah, we appreciate their, their efforts. Uncle Jerry want to give a shout out to uncle Jerry Stinchfield. I call him uncle Jerry, man. He's, He's that guy for so many riders in the pits, um, you know, just everything he does for the sport, for the riders and, you know, supporting amateur racing and events and things like that. You know, it's, it, we're really appreciative of Jerry and what he does for the podcast. He's in the commercial and industrial roofing company business. He's got nearly 40 years of experience. And if you're in the commercial, if you're looking for a roof commercial, hit up his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Uh, yeah. So again, just make sure you shout out these sponsors, go on social media, sh sh uh, send them a thank you for supporting our podcast and, and keeping us going. It definitely, uh, it does us a big favor. So on the show Canadian, I think that's our first Canadian. I'm not positive on that. I'll have to check the, uh, the, the, the data. Um, but, but anyway, Doug Lawrence, man, how are you? I'm great, Corey. How are you? Good, bro. Just, uh, just I don't know off season shit right now. It's it's cold as hell here, but I'm sure it's like thirty degrees colder there, so it's probably not that bad. 
Yeah, yeah, it's it's getting cold. It's just there's been some nice sunny days, but uh, actually where I am, I don't, really don't get too much snow. But uh, our friends around the Buffalo area and over in Michigan, they get it worse than me. So uh, yeah, not bad yet, but in a couple of weeks we'll be we'll have full snow. Yeah, I uh, man, when it comes to Canada, you have like it's almost like two different countries. It seems like like I've we've had Canadians come down who who race that are full. French Canadian don't hardly speak any English and you have guys like you and Don Taylor and you, you couldn't even tell you guys were from Canada like you got like I mean there's a big difference in like the demographics really uh how far like how far north is is that gap like where it starts to get like that wow so I live in Hamilton, Ontario, which is probably 30 minutes from Niagara Falls, probably like I live an hour and a half from Weedsport, New York, believe it or not. Oh, wow. And so like some French guys like Dave Pouliot and Dominic Bolak, those guys live probably like six hours north of no nah, no nah, nah, like three hours north of vermont or so something like that in quebec so quebec's our only fr- french speaking province and the rest we uh we're all normal we speak english <laughs> you're all normal <laughs> i love it uh so your guys is here we'll get into a little bit more well, I'll, I'll wait I'll, I'll, I'll wait on that so um i wanted to talk a little bit i talked about you briefly before i brought you on uh obviously everybody knows dougie lawrence but um kind of want to talk briefly about, I don't get into it a heck of a lot, but your, your amateur career in Canada, uh, I'm, cause I'm just genuinely curious, like how, how you got started into the flat track thing. Like, was there a series up there consistently? Like I know there's you got the flat track Canada series now and they do a really good job, but did you have something back then? And how, how many races a year did you actually do when you were a youth rider? Yeah, well, well, no, they didn't. They, they uh, I was kind of the last of the old school guys that raced under the CMA, which is the Canadian Motorcycle Association with affiliation from the FIM, you know, AMA, CMA, same thing. And um, basically my amateur racing started in Michigan. My dad raced in Canada back in the day with a group of buddies in uh in the summer times and you know started riding on the ice because it was kind of more fun and he liked to do other stuff and he started racing in in Michigan which is like four hours away from us and you know as he started going to races over there he, he was like well, well holy shit there's there's four or five six-year-old kids racing over here so he was only a couple of weekends into racing over in Michigan when he asked me, well, do you want to do this? <laughs> and if, I didn't know what, what was going on. I was like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. So at the end of the one summer, when I was four years old, he got me a dirt bike and the next year I was five. So it would have been 91, I guess. And, uh, we were headed to Michigan to go racing. And that was, uh, that was where it all started for me. There was no racing, amateur racing in Canada. Well, I, I can't say that. There was amateur racing in Canada, but you needed to be 14 years of age to do it until about, wow, probably like 1999 or something. So that was, you know, eight, like eight, nine years prior to when I started. But yeah, I did the bulk of my, or the most of my amateur racing in Michigan. And that's how I'm so close with all the Michigan boys and families from over there. And 
you know, my family became friends with their family. It's just something we did. And, you know, I, I listened to all your, your podcasts and stuff and, you know, everyone talks about how all they wanted to win. They wanted to win as a four or five, six, seven year old kid and all their youth racing years and stuff like that. For me, it was just hanging out with my family and we became good friends with a whole bunch of people that were doing the same thing that lived in Michigan. <laughs> and then, uh, wow, probably fast forward to like 1995, six, seven, my dad quit racing. And then we came back to Canada uh, in like 1999 and um, yeah, kind of went back and forth from there. So you've always lived in Canada, correct? Like you never, did you live in the States at any period? No, I've always lived in okay. Canada. I mean, I've had stints where I've been in places, Texas, California for, you know, a few months at a time, same as, same as all of us, but no, I've always lived in Canada. Okay. Yeah. I mean, how much of a pain in the ass is it like to, to come down and race in America? Like, is it a big job to get through, get through the, the border and all that? Cause I honestly, I don't know. I've never, dude, I've been everywhere. Like I've been to every state basically, but like Alaska and Hawaii, and I've never been to another country. It's actually crazy, but I've never been to Canada. So I don't know even though what it takes, like, is it a, is it a pain in the ass or? Yeah, dude, it's, I mean, it's way harder now with COVID and, you know, 9-11 changed everything between Canada and America and, well, America and the world, right? And, right. Uh, yeah, dude, it's a bitch. I mean, you kind of just, if, if you're going to do it, you just kind of ignore it. But when I think back now and when I was going to the races this year with the NKR team, with the young racer Hunter Bauer, man, we had to, we had to get the COVID test within 40, 48 hours before we would leave to America, we'd have to fly. Well, we basically have to fly. And then when we landed, we'd have to get a COVID test to return to Canada. So a lot of times I'd land somewhere, get a COVID test and come back. So like when I went to DuCoin, I got a COVID test the next day, flew to St. Louis, uh, found out that it got rained out when I got to DuCoin. The next morning I went, did a COVID test in some small, town south of DuCoin and then flew home the next day and then you need to get a COVID test on the way back so you know the last few years and it seems like the next couple of years going forward have been just a bitch man it's like it's tough there's so much stuff you can't ship stuff across the border as easy as you can order a frame or something or parts and sh just ship them to your house or ship them to your sponsor's house it's got to go to you know a, a drop box in the states or something you know i'd have yeah. i'd have all my stuff dropped to like american harley in buffalo new york and i'd have to go down and get it and, and then you're crossing the border and you know sometimes you have to uh tell some white lies on what you got in the back of your van and yada 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 so i mean it's something a lot of people probably don't realize like the the added work that you guys have to go through to come down and compete and compete in our series but uh, dude, if you would have called me at the coin, if you would have called me like the day before I would have told you it was going to rain out. Cause it was pouring. I was like, there's not a shot we are racing. Um, I, know, I found out real, I remember, uh, Chad coast was like walking on his airplane and I'm like, dude, get off the plane. Like you're, oh. you're, we're not racing. And he literally got off the plane and they canceled it. So good call. Good call. Good call. Right. Yeah. So, um, I know talking with you a little bit, 
um, before I get into the, the, the bulk of this interview, I kind of want to talk about your pro stuff, but, um, and what you're doing now, but I know talking with you and reading, I looked up some, some of the articles you've been in today and you were heavily involved in ice hockey, which is kind of cliche for a Canadian, but, um, you played ice hockey pretty, uh, I don't know to what level or what extent, but I know you were pretty serious about it. So, um, talk about that a little bit. Cause I, I actually played ice hockey for four or five years and ice hockey was probably my, the first sport that I ever followed, like the, the Philadelphia Flyers with Eric Lindros and John LeClaire and th- that kind of era, uh, that was, I watched every game, man. I was big into it. So kind of curious on your, uh, your ice hockey background. Yeah. Hockey's, uh, number two for me, man. Hockey is, uh, done in my whole life. I, I like skipped like last year cause of COVID all the rinks were shut down and man, I was going crazy. And, uh, there wasn't much hot. There wasn't even NHL hockey to watch until like February or so. Right. So yeah, I always had that, uh, getaway, you know, I've always been friends with all the Michigan guys and those guys are all so close to each other and it's flat track for 365 days of the year. And for me, it was, you know, for my younger years, it was flat track from, uh, April, May until September. And then from September till February, whatever it was, it was hockey. So I still play, still play twice a week. I play with a bunch of buddies on Friday nights and I play on a you know a beer league team on Wednesday night I got a game tonight um huge Leafs fan Toronto Maple Leafs are the best team in the league for sure although we haven't won a Stanley Cup since 1967 for anybody who's counting because I am um <laughs> yeah that's, uh, that's it man it's uh it's fun it, I actually went to the Leafs game the other day and saw one of my heroes outside of motorcycle racing Sidney Crosby so um can't say i remember much of the game i was with my buddy dan and uh <laughs> drank drank a bit too much but uh that was on the bucket list for sure yeah i was gonna ask what your team was or or what your who your favorite player was growing up and things like that but crosby man i uh can't say i'm much of a crosby fan as a uh, philadelphia flyers guy but uh, I, I i do like the fact like when he came into the league and he started like he was the guy like he was the next best thing but he wasn't afraid to like throw his gloves down and like get in a fight and you never really saw that with like stars until like him really like most of the guys didn't fight like the the top guys and like I remember him getting into some fights watching it I was like bro he's pretty fucking scrappy like he's a pretty good fighter so yeah Uh, that's right so you do know your hockey that's cool (laughs) oh yeah man yeah I was uh I had a buddy there. Uh, um, I'm friends with uh, Holly Cote and uh, well now it's uh, Holly Smith or Holly Crow. I'm sorry, but her husband Riley was like one of the um, yeah one of the, the yeah, yeah the enforcer on the Flyers. So cool. uh, got to go to quite a few games with them. And uh, yeah, dude, I'm a I'm a big Scotty Hartnell fan. So uh, yeah, I, I love I love hockey, man. I don't get to watch it as much as I as I used to, but um, but yeah, definitely a big fan. I played for four or five years, so. Uh, I always, I don't know if you know Danny Walker well, but he, he's a big hockey guy too. And uh, I think he's a goalie. So we, 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 we talk hockey a little bit. So I wanted to bring that up a little. Nice. That's cool. man. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so coming up through the ranks, you talked about going to Michigan, obviously not many places better for competition than going to Michigan. Obviously 
I don't know your age exactly, but you got to be within the era of me, you know, my age. So that would be Brian Smith, Brian Vincent. I'm trying to think of the Michigan guys. Yeah, uh, those guys are Brian Vincent, although he was a little, little dude, he was older than he looked, but uh, I'm 36 now. Okay. Okay. Um, I'm trying to think like Jason Centel. I know he's a little bit older too. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Trying to think of the Michigan guys. Uh, help me out here. Like, who did you grow up with racing? Like, as you transitioned to the pro stuff, like, who were you dicing it up with before you made that transition to pro? So, definitely younger than me, as we know. Uh, 73, Nash, uh, National 73 was Brent Armbruster. He, when I was a kid, his bikes yeah. looked as good as they do his whole career. So, my first envision of a XR750 had the big 73 font on it. So when I earned my 73 from my childhood, I was like called Brent. I was like, Hey man, I want to pick the 73. Is that cool with you? And he was honored to do that. But yes, yeah, younger than him, it would have been like, shit, man, Mike Werner, Jason Centel, uh, Jeff Randolph. Like some of those guys kind of didn't really make it too far in the big leagues, but these guys were riding XRs and stuff. And then it got down to like Brian Vincent, Brandon Larson, Brett Panky, Brian Smith. Uh, there were some boys, really, really fast guys that didn't really even hop on 250s and stuff, you know, just kind of ran out of money. You know, I think, I think the car industry was kind of fading out that time and that's where all the flat track families came from. So only say half of them moved on to 250s and further, you know? Yeah, it's it's crazy actually. Like we we talked about this, we talk about it a lot. Honestly, like the guys, the, the riders, and like even from like the eighty five cc, the two fifty riders who used to kick everybody's at like back home. Like Jared Meese is from Pennsylvania, and I, you know, we had guys that would consistently beat Jared around local. But then they just like, whatever, they got in the football or they got a real job or they got somebody pregnant. <laughs> like they just like didn't race anymore. It's just, it's always, uh, it's always kind of cool to look back and like, what if, you know, what if that guy, you know, wanted it more or whatever it's uh, there's somebody from every part of the country who probably could have been something special if they stayed in it. Um, so yeah, that's, that's pretty interesting. Um, I was going to ask this later in the pod, but it, probably a good time to ask now. Is there anybody in Canada that maybe races the Flat Track Canada series that you see consistently like a badass, unheard of guy who's never raced an American Flat Track? Like who would be those riders in Canada? Because um, every Canadian I know, they've all come down at, at some point. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah, that's that's the you know, that's what you have to do when you're 15, 16, 17 years old, and you're basically winning everything in Canada. You're, you just, you're just so excited to go race your Limas and stuff. I mean, most of the Canadian guys are cushion rack, cushion track riders. So, I mean, you don't see him much, but Dustin Brown rips, you know, and uh, you're seeing Hunter Bauer, he's down there. But no, not really, man. Like, I mean, we have a, a track up here, Welland, where there's, there's guys that go good at Welland, but they might not be able to go good at a 19 race AFT series, you know, so they kind of stay, stay there. Maybe they don't have too much funding or anything, but basically, no, you, I mean, you see all the fastest American, the fastest Canadians down there in the AFT series, really. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't sure if there's any unheard of guys, um, that, uh, that I've never seen, but, uh, all the guys, I mean, all the guys, whenever a Canadian comes down, you know, you're going to, 
you know, you're going to get an aggressive, aggressive, loves the <laughs> throttle, not afraid to get dicey. Like the Canadian riding style is like sort of a no fucks given riding style. Like, uh, <laughs> except for you, bro. Like you're, you're like, I was just talking about, it. I'm like, dude, the first Canadian I've ever seen, like, like uh, kind of their, their forte, you know, some of these guys, obviously they're, they can ride like on the clay tracks. Great. But their cushion track, you know, first and foremost, but you're like more of a clay track guy. Um, what, where did that come I from? Really, I don't really know where, what, what happened there, where I gained that from, but I'm, like I said, I'm kind of like the last of the, the old school Canadians where I really didn't grow up in Canada. So like a guy like Don Taylor, who started racing when he was like uh, 10, 12 or something, he was on the Canadian cushion tracks right away, you know, where, those years I might've been racing at like I-96 Speedway in Michigan. And that, at those years, there was a bunch of clay short tracks and stuff like that. So, and then, you know, as you get older, like I started to go good at cushions, like, you know, I don't know, year 2000, like 12, 13, 14. But I mean, honestly, it was just like, I, I just way preferred clay tracks so much more, you know, like a cushion track was just so hard on your stuff. And, I mean, if there were, I mean, me and my old man, we had two XR 750s. Weren't, we weren't about to go to the Virginia Mega Mile and destroy our Harleys on a cushion mile. So, uh-huh. I mean, we were kind of saving our stuff for the, the clay stuff. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I won some big races, you know, like, I mean, you know, beat all the fast Canadian cushion guys up here at a bunch of Canadian, you know, pure Canadian racetracks. And I was always proud of that. But, you know, it kind of, Lima, I struggled so bad. I never even made a Lima main event, dude. Like, it was bad. But I'm serious. That's crazy to think about. I know, man. It's embarrassing. I honestly am not a big Lima fan either. Like, uh, sorry, Jared. I know you might be listening, but I just, I've never liked the, uh, I think it's the shape for me. Like, it's the shape. It's really like round. And um, I hate how like the straightaways get like, they're kind of like bumpy and hard packed. And then you blitz it in like off the hard pack into the cushion and it gets super deep. Um, I've never liked Lima. Like I like cushions, but for some reason, Lima is probably one of my least favorite. uh, Exactly. Yeah. Like there, you know, those years when Lima and Greenville were the two cushions on the, on the series, like I wasn't exactly like lighting the world on fire those years, but I loved going to Greenville and a lot of those tracks. But every time Lima came around, man, I'd get, just get smoked and I'd like, I'd try and like pump myself up and be like, man, I rode Woodstock. I rode Leamington. I rode Wheatley. I rode Flamborough super good. And then here we, here we go to Lima and I just get my ass kicked again. I, f- I remember one year, like cool Beth always struggled there. Right. And I remember one year I was going backwards in a, in a semi and I was in like fifth place, like two spots out of a main, of a main event and just absolutely sucking. <laughs> And I'm like out of control and turn three and four and Coolbeth goes by me. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit. Coolbeth goes by me with the number one plate. I'm like, dude, I'm having a bad day. You're having a really bad day here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's a it's a tough, it's a tough deal, man. I uh I've noticed, oh obviously it's no surprise, but if I've noticed uh if I if I'm really slow and I get a good start, and this is kind of like the thing in cushion tracks in general you can kind of dictate the, the entire race. If you're like getting, if you get a good start and lead the race, like, um, that's one thing about the cushions. Like I really, uh, 
hole shots are so crucial. If I'm, if I'm a little off that day and I get a good start, it's like, I got a shot, like just fucking spray everybody down for a couple laps and pull it off as many as I can. But, um, I, I was never a Corey, Corey texter off the line. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, man, you were, you were more of a hard charger. I actually have you down. I don't want to get, I don't want to fudge this up, but your best finish in an AFT race, like you've had a lot of fifth through eighth place finishes, but your best is a fourth. Is that correct? 2013, you, you got a fourth. And I want to say, I know Hagerstown, I, I want to say you got in fifths and sixths there, but where was the fourth at, man? Where'd you get fourth? The fourth was Hagerstown. That was the oh, year that, okay. uh, you know, that was the closest I ever was positionally to a, a, a win but that was the day baker won his first national and he killed us all remember that okay yep yeah yep, and then after that you know i, I got a whole bunch of six you know i had a, a whole bunch of six a couple of springfield six knoxville uh never a fifth at hagerstown a couple six at hagerstown uh calistoga but that was it man i wanted to win one but uh never even got on the box but that's okay yeah, I mean, I, like I said, you were a consistent top 10 guy, though. Um, anytime you would squeak into the main event, you'd always find a way to get into the top 10. And um, I mean, you've made you've made a wide variety of main events and people listening now, it's a lot different than what, it, you know, back then to what it is now. Like when you could when you could squeak into a main event with 50, 60 guys or 100 plus in Daytona it was, you know, it was, it was pretty, pretty incredible. And I, I know you've made Daytona short track before. I know you've, you know, you've made singles mains, you've made miles and lot, you know, sixth place at Springfield, sixth place, fourth place at Hagerstown. Um, any TT success, dude? I don't remember offhand, but how, how were you no, on I mean, TTs? I made one Castle Rock TT, one of the light years. There wasn't many guys out there, but I was actually going good that day. I think I finished like 13 or 13th or something i went back the next year and got my ass kicked <laughs> yeah i i uh i think i only have one or two t two one or two tt main events in my uh in my uh results column and none of them were pretty i think one was castle rock so um <laughs> i'm actually excited for that to be back on the schedule this year i uh well i'll talk to you about the schedule and kind of your plans for for the future here in a minute but um one thing I wanted to ask you about is, you know, you were kind of, I think you probably turned expert in 06, 07? Um, 06, never made a main event until the end of 07. Okay. Yeah, I was pro sport in 06, basic expert in 07, and then I started the GNC stuff in 08. Um, but anyway, you were, uh, back then it was like the Ford – Ford quality check series. And, uh, you saw like your time frame. you've seen huge differences in the series. So like, you know, back in 06, 07, 08, it was so different than it is in 2021. And I wanted to talk to you about, about that, about those differences, like maybe with the, the riders, the, um, you know, the skill level, the seriousness of the teams and the paddock or the pits, whatever the hell you want to call it. Um, kind of like that transition, man, from, from your pro career all the way to like to today, like what are your thoughts on the way the sport has progressed or didn't progress, whatever, however your opinion is on it, but what are your thoughts on kind of the, the transition there? 
Wow, that's a loaded one. It is um, super loaded. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I don't know. I mean, let's go from 21 back. I mean, 2000, here we are, 2021. And I mean, TV package. I mean, everything looks good. Like, I was, I was at Nisa's house a couple of weeks ago with my girlfriend and my son. And the uh, number one plate that Briar took off his bike and he signed it to Jared, he put you know, hey, thanks for elevating the game to a point that nobody figured that they could reach. And I just looked at Jared. I'm like, dude, that's that's for real. And he kind of, yeah, 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 whatever. But it's amazing right now what's going on in sports. And it's so cool that it's happening in flat track because of Briar Bauman and Jared Meads. You know, these guys are the reason I watch. You know, if if we didn't have those two on our sport right now, with no absolutely zero disrespect to third, fourth, fifth on back. Like those are the guys why I'm watching. Like those guys are sick. They are modern sports science athletes on motorcycles and the motorcycle racing. I love to watch. Right. So, you know, I think Jared did all that, you know, from 2006 on. So, but yeah, as for the series, wow. I mean, you've always had talented riders and, you know, Chris Carr was the guy for, the bulk of those years that we're talking about now. And then it turned to Kenny Coolbeth and Jake, you know, poor Jake Johnson, those years, although the riders were there, I'm sure you'd agree. There really wasn't too much for, you know, there really wasn't too much for marketing and publicity. Was there, you know, I mean, when Chris Carr was winning and Ford was on board, that was a pretty big package that was going on there. So it, it looked pretty good. And then it got kind of, quiet there do you do you agree with that does that make sense yeah i think the the chris carr era like the 03 to 07 08 you know when he was still um that's kind of the start of the Coolbeth era i think Coolbeth won his first title in 06 but um it was kind of like holding on to the past a little bit like the 90s like it wasn't it was pretty fresh out of the camel pro stuff like i know it's seven or eight years but a lot of the camel pro guys we're still doing some flat track races. And then when Jake kind of took it over, I want to say like 2010 to 13 time, it was like pretty, pretty unorganized. Um, There wasn't much going on. It was kind of sloppy, honestly. Uh, The, the rider counts. I mean, there's so many different ways to measure success in the sport. Like people, some people measure success with rider counts. Some people measure success with, what the riders getting paid or TV packages or the length of the schedule or how many fans show up in the stand. So there's so many ways to measure it, but that early, yeah. When Jake, I mean, and Jake's pretty quiet. Like Jake would win and go home and he's the same guy. Like I see Jake quite a bit and he don't give a shit about social media. He don't care about it. And it's kind of like Shana. That's why him and Shana get along so well. I, we, we joke around, around, uh, you know, they, they're like, they're, like, I don't know, siblings, it seems like, but, um, yeah, that, that era Jake was in is definitely kind of wasn't talked about from, from like 10 to 12, 13. And then obviously things changed a bit, but yeah, I would agree with you. It, it definitely was, definitely was different, like rider counts and, and things like that. But just like the way the series kind of, like you mentioned the TV package, how important do you think that is to like the riders that are out there right now? I mean, compared to like, for us, we didn't have that. Um, hell dude, when I turned pro, I, I tell, I, I work with Trent Lowe quite a bit. And I'm like, dude, when I turned pro, we didn't have an entry level class. Like 
Right. Um, right. You went, you fucking jumped right into it onto a twin. Like you could run a Rotex at Daytona or whatever, but um, like there wasn't a 450 singles class. Like we had a hot shoe series. It paid $200 to win each hot shoe race. That was it. Um, right. It wasn't kind of like it is now. Like I think a big, big part of the success we've we've had was honestly implementing that that singles class so yeah it's just wanted to get your thoughts on that stuff a little bit yeah but i mean you know definitely um you know you couldn't do what me and my dad did we we split a we split a shitty xr back in 2006 because i knew i could ride a twin better than you know trying to you know trying to make a man at like a daytona short track or a daytona tt against literally over a hundred guys. I was like, well, yeah. let me try and make a twins main event against 60, 70 back then. And, you know, I was definitely a better twins rider than I was a single singles rider. So we just kind of just paved our own way and ended up getting in main events. But yeah, I, I think, you know, these days with the TV package and some of the big high end sponsorships, I think, I think, you know, it's exactly what they wanted you know you you know the racers today do have a hell of a platform to sell to potential sponsors i definitely 100 percent agree with that you know you know and it but it's it's hard you know like the guys who work hard like yourself there, there's very few you know I, I was never one of those guys but there's very few guys now that can put together a package or a, or a proposal deck to present to potential sponsors to turn it into money to go race, you know, especially yeah. when you're turning, you know, you're trying to build motorcycles and stuff. I, I know exactly how that is. If you're trying to build motorcycles to go campaign a race season and then try and whip up some money on the side, it's so hard to do. I just think the times are tough right now. Well, for you, like, like you were one of the, one of the guys that did it all. Like you guys built your bikes you did your marketing, you went and raced on the weekends and you were able to kind of be successful with that. Um, but it was a different era. Like now the top guys, you know, Briar and Jared, they're not working on bikes. They're not, you know, they're not focusing on the other aspect. Briar's Briar and Shana, they have a man, they have an agent, like they have a manager uh, handling most of their sponsor stuff now. And you didn't, I mean, it was, it's kind of funny to think about cause we didn't have that. <laughs> like the first time I, I met Shana's uh, marketing guy, he's actually a really cool guy and one of my good friends, his name's Scott Taylor. He worked with like Ricky Carmichael for forever, like his, pretty much his whole career. Um, first time I, I met Scott, uh, I, I walked away. I said, who's that? And Shana's like, it's my agent. I'm like, it's your fucking agent? What is this? Like PGA Tour? Like I was so confused <laughs> at the time. But yeah, you mentioned building your own bikes and to, to be at the, the level we're at, like you mentioned, Briar and Jared, the, you know, athletes, you know, like it's, you got to focus so much time on training and riding and riding moto. And now, you know, going to Florida in the winter, like I know guys ice ride, but man, you should see the moto tracks in Florida all winter. It's basically an AFT paddock. Like no, there's dude, 16 I, guys. I, I see it on social media, right? You know, back back the years like 2006 through 2014, 15, you know, I was close with Brian. He was a title contender, but he was in Michigan building his XRs or Kawasaki's to go try and win the title. You know, he wasn't, he wasn't training. He, he couldn't, he had no time to train. You know, the yeah. only guys that were really, you know, so focused on training were Jared. Yeah. He had his Colberts or whatever, or, or Carr or Coolbath or those guys, but 
<laughs> for the other 90% of the guys, they were busting their ass working or building bikes or, you know, yeah. doing a push up here and there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, everybody, uh, everybody drank more in the off season, man. Like, like I, I like to, I like to take the time after the season's over and yeah, I like to, I like to have some alcohol. I like to hang out with my friends. I like to suck at golf. Um, but it's not really like everybody's kind of still like when the season's over, they, they don't really get after it. Like they used to, um, it's kind of a bummer, but yeah, things are different these days for sure. But you know, it's, it's cool to, to hear insight from riders like you who not only like race in so many, like, it's not really that long of a time frame, but it seems like three different errors that you've raced in, um, like rolled into one. Cause it changed the series changed so much with, like, what do we have? So we had 600 road taxes, then they went to 505, then they went to 450s, then it went to DTX bikes, then you can run a front fender, then you had to take a front fender off, then you had to put one back on, then, you know, the Kawasaki's came into it, then they left, then the Indians came into it, like, a lot of shit has happened in the past decade. Yeah, you're um, probably right, you probably won't have that many changes in 10-12 years, you're probably right. It's crazy. It's actually, it's absolutely crazy. Like, um, and that's why I think maybe the rider count has dwindled because nobody can stay on top of it. It's like, damn, man, like I know, developing dude. a five-year plan is almost impossible. I know, dude, that's the thing that I just beg, you know, it, you know, we all get the feeling that rules are going to change going into the 2022 season. And it's just like, you know, I think the rules need to change and I'm ready for that. But I just beg that the fans who are just hanging on to all the rule changes over the last four five, six years, you know, still hold on for another year, you know, so I hope they don't just, you know, I, I could follow NASCAR a bunch of years ago, but I don't even know what the hell is going on when I watch a NASCAR race anymore. Oh yeah, man. It's, it's, it's kind of, it's not like the Jeff Gordon first day are hard days anymore. It's exactly. I watched the season finale. Cause um, I forget why I watched it, but I, it, it was, uh, it's, uh, it's different for sure. Um, yeah. uh, well, we, Hockey's supposed to go into playoffs, not NASCAR. <laughs> I agree, man. I agree. Yeah. I, I, the stage racing and the, the playoffs it's, I don't know. I, I don't like it. You know, it's, it's not, I'm not a fan of it, uh, which is a bummer. Cause there's some really good drivers in, in NASCAR right now, but it takes away when you like, they stop the race three times for stages and all this other shit. It's just, uh, uh it's yeah, pretty confusing. I'm, I'm totally lost. Uh, yeah, we could probably do a whole show on the rules, rule changes and everything else, but no, I just wanted to get a little bit of insight, man. That was honestly awesome perspective. Um, so what are you up to? Uh, before we get into that, I got a couple more questions for you, but um, are you retired, man? Like, are you doing, is any AFT stuff in the future? For, you haven't done it in a, in a while. Um, what do you tell, like, you still do some stuff in Canada, obviously. I, I see you still win up, you still win in Canada against some some top guys. So what are you doing now? And uh, are you ever open to doing any pro stuff still or are you are you retired from AFT because I've never seen I've never seen the, the Doug Lawrence farewell tour so I, I didn't I must have missed that I didn't know yeah I don't don't, don't look too hard for that um, <laughs> dude to be honest I mean I mean it's it's gone and done now but I was close to riding the last four miles this year oh, <laughs> in, the shit. Big, in the big class but uh it didn't end up happening so uh so whatever but yeah i i want to ride an indian I, I mean i don't really want to go race the national at the highest level anymore to be honest but i'd love to ride an indian i got a couple 
a couple feet in a couple feet in a couple doors in the AFT paddock to try and ride an Indian at some practice day somewhere. So I hope that happens. But uh, dude, I don't know. I still ride. I, I, I mean, I still race up here a little bit. This Welland track is like 45 minutes away from my house and you can turn some money around and come home and be home at midnight after a couple beers after the race and leave your house at 2 PM. So like, that's a blast for me right now. My dad's built, he's always down to build new bikes. He just built a wicked framer that uh, I rode once in the, in the fall here and hopefully going to try and ride some amateur races in, uh, in, uh, in March. Is that kind of weird? Like I, I feel so weird showing up with like <laughs> sick leathers, like all, like I still have like, super sick gear and a brand new framer i'm like two years out of like i just actually uh we do a high low segment and when you started saying that i just added i just added a question to the high low so uh nah dude that's i mean i think it's great man i mean I, that's what i mean i was just curious because i i don't remember what was the last aft race you did so the last aft race i did was springfield in the fall and i remember like I kind of knew it in my head, you know, like I wasn't, didn't have an Indian to ride. I put a whole bunch of feelers out. There was a couple Indians in Canada, but they didn't want to be raised and blah, what blah, year? blah. 18. 18. Holy shit, bro. So, and then like going to the start finish line, I was riding, uh, I was riding for a team at the, at the time. And uh, just, it was the last ditch, last ditch effort to try and keep up with the Indians on the miles and blah, blah, blah. So coming to the finish line at the end of my, it would have been my heat race, I guess, or whatever, semi at that time, <laughs> the bike quit, like coasted across the finish line. And I was like, maybe this is a sign, you know, maybe it's time to, uh, to hang it up. So after the race, I just kind of hopped off my bike and kind of walked over to the start finish line and looked around and kind of, uh, you know, kind of shut it down in my head right then and there that my AFT career was probably done. So yeah I, I had my own little farewell tour <laughs> that actually is kind of depressing but uh, <laughs> that's really depressing oh uh, man it's like because I don't know I mean I'm 34 I just turned 34 so I man I'm like I have days so like it's kind of funny like OKC this year I might have told I don't I told I've told a few people this story but uh, I don't think I've ever mentioned it on the podcast but OKC the first day qualifying I'm riding my ass off. I come back into the pits. I'm, I'm ninth overall. I'm like, I'm fucking done. Like, I was like, I'm like, I have nothing else to give. Uh, I, I, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I was riding my heart out. I'm freaking ninth. Um, I retire like at least once a year at a racetrack. And then I go out in the, and I ended up winning the main event <laughs> that day, but I was for sure retired that day. I'm like, I don't know. So I just don't like, I don't know me getting to that point. It's, I'm just wondering how guys know or go about it, you know? So I asked that a lot to some of these guys, like when they, when they feel they know it's time, because it's like, man, I, I just year to year, I kind of take it or race by race. And I just, uh, just curious, like, you know, how, yeah. how that sort of feels. Yeah, for me, you know, I didn't have an Indian. and I, My goal was always to win. And, you know, I, I wasn't going to go win Lima or Peoria. But, you know, when the series was coming around to some of these clay half miles or maybe some of the 
some of the miles, you know, I felt like I had a shot to win. I truly did. And, you know, I, I if you, nobody was beating the Indians and basically <clears throat> nobody's still beating the Indians. Right. So I wasn't going to show up in 2019 with an XR and a Cowie that wasn't competitive. So that was kind of, that was kind of it for me. You know, it was, uh, the writing was on the wall. I tried to ride some, you know, I, it was hard for me because at that time I didn't want to do a full series. You know, there might've been some options for me to ride an Indian at all the races, but I, I just really had no interest in riding a few of the racetracks. So the ship sailed on those, uh, those ideas. So I kind of knew, but uh, yeah, it's all good, man. Like talking about all the eras and stuff, like I think about it all the time and, you know, me and my dad shoot the shit about racing all the time. And it's like, you, you know, you did like, as you did the best you could do. And I added it up one day. I spent like a bunch of time on YouTube, looking up old races and on AFT's website, I made 55 main events and I topped 10, 25 of them. And I was like, wow, that's pretty, wow. That's you know, I was pretty, pretty impressed with that. And, you know, kind of, kind of bring some peace to your career after you, uh, after you add up some of the things you've done, you know? Oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. You're, you, there's not many people out there that have a bad thing to say about Doug Lawrence, man. So aside from your results, which like I said, it's, they're pretty underrated. Like what you were able to do for, like, I didn't even know you were, I didn't even know that. Like I always knew you as a main event guy, but I didn't know you were consistently top 10. Um, it's, that's no joke. in the time frame that you did it, uh, you know, and building your own bikes and doing it with your pops. That's, it's impressive, man. And more so on a personal level than anything else, just not having regrets and, uh, and being proud of that is, is really cool. So, um, I know you got stuff going on, so I won't keep you too much longer, but we do, we do the high low line on here every, well, mostly every pod it's, um, a this or that with a brief explanation. And I wanted to give, give myself a little time for this. Cause I got a couple good ones. Uh, you were pretty easy to kind of come up with these. So, um, so yeah, I'll just get it going here. Who is more of a people's champion in the sport? Coolbeth or Parker? It's gotta be Parker. Dude, I'm like a Michigan guy. He was, I didn't even know Canadian people raced. All I knew was Scott Parker. He has gotta be Parker, man. <laughs> Coolbeth's cool, cool a wicked dude, as everybody knows. Everybody who knows Coolbeth, he's a wicked dude, but so quiet, you know, and so humble. It's gotta be Parker had the woo woo woos down. So uh, everybody, everybody knew. Yeah, that's that's a tough one because I just I try to make these as hard as possible. And Kenny just uh I love Kenny, man. He's that's my guy. And and Parker, obviously, that was my hero growing up and super well liked riders. Like I've never heard another rider talk bad about either one of those. So uh, Yeah, very true. Very that's true. That's a tough one. Uh AFT needs to bring one track back on the schedule, regardless of anything else, logistics or all the other bullshit what track would you rather see on the schedule or what's more fun to ride Hagerstown or Pomona? I, I or, or if you got a, if you got a wild card, throw that out there. I was going to say Hagerstown, you know, <laughs> Hagerstown. I mean, what, what, what was the, pro I know, I know there was some logistical problems with it, but I mean, the racetrack was so sick, you know, uh, super racy. I mean, it's a decent venue. Uh, I think it still fits the fits the bill for, 2022's aft's credentials and stuff like that pomona was rad though man like any california race was super sick man like for a canadian kid 
I remember the first bunch of times I went to California and I lived the dream of Pomona it was so rad. It was usually the end of the year, just the vibe there, like <laughs> the California, the scene, the, the flat track scene in California has never gone away through any of the dark years. And when you see like a California flat track fan, you know, like he's got like, he's legit, man. He's legit. Dude, it's, it's crazy. Were you at SAC this year? No, no, it wasn't. It was crazy, man. Like just the fans that come up and like, I have like random half drunk fans coming up, like putting their arm around me. Like, what's up brother? Like, I don't even know who these guys are, but just, yeah, the vibe is just so easy going. It's like, bro, get off me. Uh, yeah, I, I would agree. Like the fans out there are, they're just, it's just a different, it's a different, it's just different out there. Like it's, it's super, super awesome. But yeah, Pomona was, I don't know, Hagerstown for me, it's, uh, it's like an hour and a half away. So it's a local job, but I've never really liked Hagerstown when I was younger, but I think if we went back there, I would actually like it quite a bit. So yeah, I mean, I mean, obviously it's so similar to the Port Royals and Williams Groves and stuff like that, but I just thought the shape was weird, man. Like I would always pitch it in too hard at Hagerstown and I would lose all my momentum in the center. And like the guys that were really good at Hagerstown. Well, I've never been sideways a moment in my life. So maybe that's why I like, (laughs) (laughs) bro, that is a quote. Um, Yeah. Like they would back it off, like start finish line and this pick the throttle back up, like before they'd even got to the apex and I sort of ride that way now, but for some reason, when I was like younger, I couldn't figure it out. But um, I heard there was a rumor we might have been going back there, uh, and uh, yeah, I was a little, a little bummed. To, yeah, I was a little bummed. To, somebody, somebody we know was trying to push for that one, man, and I, I was a little bummed that it wasn't back on. So hopefully, in the future, we can, we can get back to Hagerstown. That'd be, that'd be cool. Um, I think so. I hope so too uh twingled or non-twingled engines i I never once rode a twingled xr never did always straight up wow you know all those years when guys were running twingled harleys i never even knew what it was for the first three years my dad didn't want to tell me that's crazy (laughs) i mean i've never ridden one either honestly but i i thought you know you being you know your success on the clay tracks during the era when you when you could twingle um that's crazy, man. I, I thought yeah. you were, you were a twingler. Um, huh. Okay. Uh, one second. My volume here is getting all goofy. Um, bring back cut tires or don't bring that rule back. Like the rule where you could cut tires or the rule where you can't. I would just leave it to where you can't. I don't know. I mean, I don't know. That's a, that's a tough one too. Right. I mean, you I mean, you used to be able to what tractionize, cut oh, tires. Yeah, we still do that up here. It's a joke, man. We got like grinders and tractionizers <laughs> and treatments and cuts and like it's a bit. And then we got all the tire brands, right? So, yeah, I would just keep it. I remember when they first did that, right? That was like Greenville and something like that. I remember a release came like, out and we're like, we're going to yeah. keep the dirt on the racetrack and we're not going to allow you to cut tires. It was just the weirdest thing. <laughs> and then it ended up going throughout the whole year so I would everybody keep- everybody hated it when it came out and now it's like all right let's not cut tires like um and not having to haul around a tractionizer machine in your van i mean that's kind of convenient so and risking your life using it 
<laughs> facts dude yeah that's oh man yeah so yeah yeah no i agree no cut tires what are your thoughts on uh, real fast i have two more for you but what are your thoughts quick on the uh four rider rows compared to the six rider rows uh, i don't like it i mean what was the problem i don't know but i'm just a bit old school i don't know man i like the there's a few things i don't like but i don't want to hate too bad you know i don't know why they're timed races but you know, this whole thing, I don't know, there was really never anything wrong with the product on the track, you know, the really good quality racing from 1975 to 2021 hasn't really changed. It's still the best form of motorcycle racing there is, you know? So I don't know. I like, I like the six, six per row. It, you know, it looks a little, uh, it, it looks a little soft, you know, when you look at some of the main events this year in the AFT super twins and there was, uh, two rows of four and then two or three on the third row man like yeah. i don't know not like it would look any better it with... would probably look worse with six <laughs> in the right. front row. <laughs> we wouldn't have as many rows but yeah i'm actually a fan as a racer i like the four row thing because we it's it is a lot less cluttered getting into turn one i hear that um, I hear but that. i don't like it when i qualify bad so um it, you got to do a lot better in qualifying and in your you got to get top two in your heat race or your semi whatever they want to call it to uh to get in the main man so it's it's kind of cutthroat but the um the time races yeah I'm, i thought i'd like the time races more than i actually do i, I don't i don't love the time races because they change for the different tracks and i never know how long i'm always doing the math in my head i suck at math i'm just like i usually call chris Carr, and i'm like bro how many laps are we going to do at this track and he'll like sit down and he's kind of a nerd he'll do the he'll do the math and i'll be like all right cool so, <laughs> so i never know how many laps we're gonna do so um this one's kind of, I don't even know if these are two viable options, but more of a Canadian legend, Steve Beattie or Dominic? Um, I would say Steve Beattie, you know, he's, I mean, Bolak, I mean, some of those years, he was the fastest cushion rider in the world. I'm probably going to get beat up for this, but I would ever, say, ever, ever. Okay. Yeah. You said, you said it. but uh, yeah, Beattie all around, you know, he's, he's a good friend of mine, him and you know him and his brother Doug are really good friends of mine we hang out all the time so I think Steve was the benchmark for an all-around best Canadian flat tracker you know I'd like to be think I'm somewhere up there but uh, never won a race Bolak did you know so whatever you know I think I think Steve Steve was the guy that we all wanted to uh to to replicate you know he was very well-rounded you know has but like main events across all four disciplines some oh yeah lots of good results you know tons of injuries but uh yeah i think he was uh he, he flies a flag for us yeah i like steve he actually uh my dad helped steve out quite a bit and we ha i has i still saved some of the uh the thank you plates that steve would uh gave my dad when my dad sponsored him but he kind of blew me off on the pod man i tried to try to get him on the pod probably last year and it was like pulling teeth to get him on. So uh, if you talk to him, tell him he needs to, I'd, I'd like to get him on at some point. Um, and, uh, and Dominic, he's almost like folklore. Like he came in probably rode like what, two or three years, won a national where he just demolished everybody. If anybody gets a chance to go back, I don't even know if it's, I don't even, think, I don't even know if it's online anywhere, but him at, at Lima 06, was the most badass display of cushion riding you will ever see in your life. Um, yeah. Granted, he he felt he Dominic would crash a lot, but uh, 
but when he would stay on the bike, it was insane. Um, he's probably what, what, six, two, six, three, um, big fucking guy. He's French Canadian. He doesn't speak a lot of English and he yeah, loves the lots throttle. going on when he's on a bike, man. Elbows and knees flying everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually incredible to see. And he's pretty damn funny, man. I always like talking to, uh, to Dominic. Yeah. If, if you see Dominic too, man, uh, I don't even know how to get a hold of him. Maybe he's oh, on Facebook. he is farming up there north of Quebec city. And it's probably balls cold where he is, man. <laughs> he was, uh, <laughs> he probably can't speak any English right now. When he was down in the States for those bunch of years, he warmed up a little bit, but I bet you, uh, <laughs> he's, uh, lost his so touch. Much, yeah. Yeah. Not so much English these days. I love Dominic, man. That guy's awesome. So anybody listening that, uh, talk to Dominic, let him know. Uh, I said, what's up? Uh, cool. Cool. ass guy for sure. Um, last one, man, this is the one I added. So, uh, you're in your retirement days, you talked about running amateur races. What is a more viable option for Dougie fresh Astro cup or hooligan? Um, dude, I gotta say, I'm not a huge hooligan guy. So the Astro cup, <laughs> that's a tough one that's a tough shit one. really i think you'd be an animal on a hooligan bike you i don't, think i would too i think you I don't slide <laughs> let's be honest i think i would too but man i just uh i don't want to you're good at drinking beer like you drink beer really good like you know thanks, you, man. Thanks, you've hung man. out in michigan for a long time <laughs> those guys can fucking drink so i think hooligans right up your right up your alley dude okay maybe 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 a hooligan ride full, <laughs> full factory indian canada hooligan ride coffee shops included maybe (laughs) i bring up beer and you change your mind i love it (laughs) oh man well dude it's honestly oh i i always enjoy chatting with you i I got it's really cool to um that you 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 went a lot of went to a lot of the races this year are you coming to any what's your plans for the future you coming next year yeah i'll be at a couple next year i want to get my son uh, i want to get a whole bunch of pictures with my son with all of you guys so uh Yep. Uh, maybe weed sport. Uh, I'm not sure if it needs to be close to home, but, uh, definitely going to prop my son up on a lot of your guys' bikes and get some pictures. Uh, that's awesome. How old's your kid? Uh, he's, uh, 51 weeks. He turns one year old next Wednesday. <laughs> that's awesome, dude. I, uh, I loved counting the weeks and months, man. I still like, I, I just stopped counting months. I think when he turned four, I, I stopped counting months, but yeah, man, it's, 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 uh, being a dad's probably the best thing ever and it, it gets better, man. So that's, that's really cool. I like seeing people enjoy that journey along with me and yeah, looking forward to it, dude. Like I said, like chatting with you, you're one of the coolest guys, uh, I've, I've gotten a race against and, uh, thanks for taking the time to come on for sure. Hey, cool. Thanks very, very much, man. No problem, man. We'll chat soon. Later, buddy. Okay, dude. Bye-bye. Later. Man, Doug Lawrence, as for our first Canadian, we we hit it out of the ballpark or hit it out of the ice rink, whatever, however you want to word it. But dude, that was that was awesome. Love chatting with Dougie Fresh. A lot of great insight and super cool guy, man. It was uh that was that was awesome. So stoked to have him on the show. I'm bringing, like I promised you guys on the earlier part of the show, I, I said we'd bring in. Robbie Bobby McClendon talking. We want to talk schedule. We uh, we got the 2022 schedule released, and let's talk shop, man. How are you, man? I'm awesome, and I cannot wait uh, to hear the uh, the 
the Doug Lawrence interview, man. He's he's such a like you said, he's such a nice, cool dude. So I'm I'm really stoked you had him on, man, because I don't I don't know a whole lot of Canadians, but he's one of the ones I do know, and I uh, I've always liked him, man. So hats off to you on that one. But yeah, schedule time. Let's do it. Let's knock it out. All right, man. So let's go through it. Um, actually, let me just bring up uh, the provisional schedule. I wanted to just talk about. We don't do this. We don't really get into this stuff too much on here. But I thought it was fitting that it just came out today. Um, so we'll run through the schedule and then we will uh, we'll talk about it a little bit. So we got Volusia during Daytona Bike Week. Volusia one, Volusia two, March tenth and eleventh. And we go to, I'll, I'll ring off a couple, Robbie, and I'll let you kind of say some tidbits, but a season opener, one and two at Volusia. We've done that for the last two seasons. Um, and then we go the very next week, we go to Texas half mile, uh, Texas motor speedway. Yeah. I like, I like the starting at Daytona and I love Volusia kind of bummed that it's not the short track. You know, I really thought the short track was awesome for the uh, for the twins and the singles, but uh, but it's cool too. Volusia's, I mean, it's not my favorite track. But I don't love, I don't hate that track either, but uh, it just doesn't have the the personality. But I guess I'm most bummed that there's not a Atlanta round. I'm pretty biased, obviously. That's like a home round for me, being only four hours away. But uh, pretty bummed that that's not on the schedule. But I don't, I don't have the ins and outs on that one. Yeah, I like Texas. I like racing in Atlanta too, man. I I I think that's a good market for us to be in. So I just don't think anything was viable from a financial standpoint. I think probably the Atlanta TT was the cost. You know, the cost was pretty pretty outrageous to put that on. And then I don't know why we're not at Dixie. Like I, I thought Dixie would have been a decent option. Like I don't know what all goes into. <laughs> Of all people to to want to go back to Dixie, you'd be probably the last I would expect. But uh, that's pretty. Funny. I won there. <laughs> I won there the last yeah. time we were there. Um, <laughs> I'm kind of talking about the one before that. I oh, picked you up shit. two times that day off the track. I know. <laughs> Going into the year that I won, I was like, I hate this fucking track. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> um, and I don't love it. I don't love the track, but I just love. I love like you said. I love racing in Atlanta, but. Yeah, Texas Half Mile. I like Texas as well. I like Texas. I like Texas Motor Speedway more than what was that fucking track we rode? Uh, Devil's Bowl. Devil's Bowl. I did not like Devil's Bowl. Sorry, I just didn't. So uh, they're both just you know good clay car half miles, I and mean, that's the thing. It doesn't. I love clay car tracks. Yeah. From a spectator and a amateur racer, but I just don't. Uh, I don't love them, man. If I want to go to a half mile, I guess because my, my main fun half mile where I got first or last was the OG Savannah RIP. But uh, but I just always base half mile car tracks off of that. And just something about that track was just amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we got those. That It's kind of, we've never had a race the week after bike week that I've done. So this is kind of interesting. Like we go, we have the double header and then eight days later we're in Texas. Um, I would think Texas would be pretty cold in March still, but I don't know. I'm not a geologist or whatever, but um, yeah. Yeah. It's, that's weird. That's weird. Cause usually it seems like after Daytona, we've always got excessive amount of time off. Yeah. And then lately we've gone like, I think what, 
March and then into April has been Atlanta. So yeah, I mean, it's going to be weird going somewhere the week after Daytona. That's just going to really be weird for everyone, I think. Yeah. Well, then we have a month off. Wait, then what was wait, it? Hold on. Hold on. Take it back to the old school guys. Was it a week bef- between the Astrodome and Daytona back in the day? I don't remember, bro. <laughs> I don't. I mean, I, I know I don't remember either. I wasn't I, there. I'm pretty but... <laughs> sure back then they had like 80 races a year, and they pretty much raced every weekend. So I don't think there was a break. I think they probably got Maybe. right back after it. How about this? Maybe on uh, on when you post this up on Facebook, just put for anybody that can tell us the time between the Astrodome and Daytona gets a free text or T-shirt, and I'll pay for it. I'll pay pal you money for it. And <laughs> we do a little trivia. I'll give them one. I'll I'll, I'll put that up. Yeah, that's. No, I mean, just, th- only because now I'm curious. I'm just curious because I see pictures of the old Astrodome, and it was always in the beginning of the season, but I don't remember if it was before or after Daytona. But God. Wouldn't that be awesome to race at an indoor like that? I would love to race any indoor at a national. I did the coin one year and it was kind of, uh, it was uneventful because it, 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 there was nobody there, but I'd love to do it. Like they did the cow palace in 2004. I think I it did was that. the concrete. I did that one. I wrote yes across the country with Jason tire and the president. I shit you not. <sighs> Oh, I'm and, jealous. Uh, we'll have to we'll have to I'll have to find out for him. I want to say there was a guy named like Beer Elbow Bob and man, dude, I'm talking that that LBRT guys. Man. Dude, I thought about honestly, like I I was thinking of guests today and I have I wrote Jason Tyre on my like there's like a list of six to eight people at um my new list. I, I come up with new lists. And dude, I, I gotta it. be on there with him though. I gotta be on there with him because <laughs> we got some stories to tell, man. And I All would right. love to have him tell you. All right, cool. Dude, yeah, if you, and for all the visitors out there that don't know who the president was, you just you're missing out on life. I hate to hate to say <laughs> that, but he was the best. Yeah. Well. we'll but all we'll right, put, all right. So back to the schedule. We we'll went way off off topic. It's all good. It's all good. So we got <laughs> April twenty third, I seventy half mile in Odessa, Missouri. So I don't know a hell of a lot about that track. I looked up. Somebody told me it was a cushion track. I think it was Janish. Jesse Janish told me it was a cushion. I looked it up because he, he heard it was a cushion, I think, from somebody else. And it, it, it looks like a bona fide clay track to me. Um, I yeah, have a buddy, I have a buddy Logan Shuhart. He races in the World of Outlaws stuff. I reached out to him to get some insight, but it looks like a clay track. Yeah, I think it looks like a clay track also, but I, I've never been there. But did somebody also said, I don't know, maybe I read it on Facebook, but that the uh, has the old AMA, like before you and I, did they race at that track already? I think uh, like, I, I think Chris Carr called. I, I think he called me and we talked about that briefly, where they raced there back in the day. But it, it's been a long time because I don't remember anything in the last twenty years. So um, you know, uh, Sabedra would know. He'd be like, "Oh yeah, so and so won, so and so wrecked on lap 12. <laughs> He's got that book knowledge up there. He is a knowledgeable son of a gun for sure. Um, so we go to I-70. I don't know a hell of a lot about that. I'll worry about that. Uh, we have a month after Texas, so I'll, I'll start watching film after that. But then we got the Red Mile. <laughs> yeah. We got we got double header at the Red Mile, which isn't a bad – it's not a bad – but it's a month after I-70. So we have a month, I-70, a month, double header at the Red Mile. It looks like Memorial Day weekend maybe. Um, I like the Red Mile. I think that's a cool venue. Kentucky's cool. Um so that's that's a doubleheader there. Uh, 
not a heck of a lot to talk about with the red mile. We've, we've been there. We were there last in, uh, man, I know Janice is going to fact check me. Um, but I think we were there in 2019 was the last time we were there. Actually, I won that race. So 2019, and then we head back to Laconia short track, Rob, uh, I didn't go yeah. to the last one. It looked like a shithole, but I've heard they've resurfaced and the track is way different. Yeah, I heard the same thing. And and you know what was bad though? Like the track wasn't a shithole, just the the dirt they used was a shithole. Because the facility, it was it was a cool temporary facility, so it kind of reminded me of uh like the Daytona short track with the with the fencing and people kind of watching on the hill and stuff. Um but obviously as soon as the first lap of practice went out, everybody was like, "Uh-oh." Because uh that was probably one of the roughest tracks I've ever seen. I mean, PDT, PDT can get rough after a 25-lap feature, but this Laconia was on another level of roughness. Yeah. But I'm super happy to see that. And but, but, you know, it's cool, though, whether or not AFT or Laconia, whoever's promoting it, I'm pretty stoked to see that they wanted to give it another try. So I think, uh, like you said, they resurfaced it, and now – I mean, there's I, I, short tracks are some of my favorite types of racing, and you go really good on short tracks, also. But I just, I just love that no matter what on a short track, it's going to be a freaking battle. Yeah, I'm excited. Like I wasn't there before, uh, and I like going to New England. Like I don't get up to New England that often. It's a really, really cool part of Wait. the country. So. Why didn't you go? I don't remember. They didn't have production twins on the uh, the first year. We didn't run. Oh, that's right. We didn't run short tracks or TTs, and um, and for for my team, our that's budget, right. our budget, we 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 just didn't do any of those rounds. So, um, but anyway, we go to uh, Lima last last Saturday in June, as always, and then we have New York short track uh weedsport once again and then we go to port royal so uh three familiar racetracks we did those three um this past year so nothing really crazy there um, of those three which one's your favorite and which one do you like the least mm, i don't i don't know that's a tough one um i won new york short track oh. I, I won i don't know i mean port royal i like because it's close to home um, I like Lima, I guess it's okay. It's, I don't know. I don't love any of those. Is that the answer? Is that a good answer? But I don't hate them either. Yeah, no, that's a great answer. No, that's a great answer. So you don't have a favorite, but you don't hate them, but you don't, you don't love any of them either. So that's fair. I won't be right, overly stoked to go, but I feel like I can win those. I feel like I have a shot at those three. So, um, Oh, for sure. Cause Lima, I've gotten, I've gotten a sec. Yeah, Lima, I've gotten a second and a third. New York, I've gotten a first and a second, I guess we can say. <laughs> um, <laughs> technically a third. I got a third. I, I'm just shitting, shitting people. Uh, Cameron won that one. I got a third. And then Port Royal was a third as well. So, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm stoked for those. That'd be cool. And then Peoria is actually, bro, it's the first time I've seen Peoria in July. Um, yeah, a couple of people were asking about that, and some people were like, upset about it you know is as upset as you can get on facebook as we all know but uh i'm wondering if they moved it you know i'm sure it's gonna be hotter in july maybe but i wonder if there's less chance of rain because it seems like what three out of the last five years maybe has been affected by rain 
I just don't think I Am bet I, I bet they probably had to be at Black Hills during where Black Hills is. And then they had to go to they're not going to go back to Illinois before Castle Rock and then Sacramento. I bet it's the only place that it fit in, honestly, like logistically. So, um, oh, yeah, that could be. Yeah, because they don't want to send you out west and then come right back east and, and then go and back, then back west. west. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah I, uh, that makes sense. Yeah. You're, you're probably right. I don't care what I mean. It, it's not that important, I don't think. Um, but Black Hills back on the schedule. Castle Rock back on the Wait, schedule. Hold on, you got to back up for a second. I wasn't. I had a follow up. Oh, good. Is is Wiles going to race Peoria this year? Does anybody know? Have you heard anything? I don't talk to Henry. Um, we don't go for beers on the weekend, but I think he's going. And I I have a lot of respect for Henry, but um, I think he'll I think he'll race it. I can't see him well, missing that's awesome. Peoria. I agree. Yeah. No, I, I agree completely, man. I, I think that, you know, I, I don't talk to him a lot, and I don't know him, like, personally on a deep level or anything, but I feel like, you know, if he thinks he can be competitive there and can win, then he would show up. Like, I I don't know if he is going to race, like, a whole series anymore or what his deal is, but uh, I, I think he's got that kind of confidence and even cockiness that if he thinks he can win at Peoria, he'll keep racing, even if it's his – I think, I think he a pulls... bunch of the year. I think he pulls the Cali twin out and um, rides that twin again. Uh, I don't think he'll I really. I forgot that thing. Yeah, I forgot yeah. about. Wait, I thought that was illegal though. No, they they made I'm it legal. They... You just got it. Has to look like a twin, or it has to look like a twin. So they put a tank on it or tails. Like they made it look sort of like a twin. So. Oh, um, instead of a big DTX, now it just looks like you know a regular flat track tank and seat. I'd love to see Henry out there on that bike because the, the level that – I don't know, man. Like, the level that J.D. and Briar were at last year, I don't know if you could go much faster. Let's get back into it. So, we talked about Peoria. Uh, you know, we, we talked a little bit – we covered a lot of Peoria. So, let's go into Black Hill Speedway, back on the schedule. Stoked to race again in Sturgis. Uh, it's probably my favorite race trip of the year. I love going to Sturgis Bike Week. Um, little bummed we're not at the Buffalo ship as well, but I'll take Black Hills and then we go on to Castle Rock, uh, Pacific Northwest. Always excited to go and race in that part of the country. There's a huge market for flat track in Washington. And uh, shout out to whoever's putting that race on. I know Thor Drake is involved and uh, I'm sure he's got a team of people helping him out. But yeah, I'm excited for, for those two races back on the schedule. Oh man, I'm super stoked for both. Just like same thing you just said, man. Sturgis is cool just because it's Sturgis. Um, I am also bummed no uh, no um, Buffalo yeah. ship just because that was such a good, fun, exciting race, you know. Um, and then uh, really excited. I've never been to the Pacific Northwest, man. The most I've been is, oh, is I guess, San Francisco. Yeah, Castle Rock's probably my favorite TT, man. I'm really excited about – as a, people that, you know, oh, he's not a TT guy, but – I really, I'm really amped up on Castle Rock TT. So it's, uh, is, yeah. is that the one, is that the one that Henry like railed the outside berm or something? Yep. Yeah. That was one of the best passes I've ever seen. That was Mikey and Rush. Pass Mikey Rush. Yeah. To and then fair, uh, Sammy won one there too, right? Sammy won it. I think he won his first ever race there. I think it was 06 or 07. Um, but to be fair, man, the, the year Henry won, and this is not, I mean, Henry is a bad mofo, 
But Dominic Calendres in the 450 singles class, I think he would have gave Henry all he could handle um, that night. You know, yeah. he, he walked away with the 450 class, and that was the most one of the most impressive rides I've seen from anybody in that class ever. Like he was so fast at Castle Rock. Um, so I wanted to give a shout out to Calendres because he was. I think he won there both years back to back and he was so fast. Um, so, yeah. Yeah. I remember watching, I've seen videos of him there too. That, yeah, you're exactly right. Dude, dude is always fast though. So then we go to, um, so we go to, we go to sack, mile, sack mile, not a double header. Um, unfortunately it's just a single, which I'm a little bummed about. I, I really liked the double there. Um, but sack back on the schedule fan favorite. So, uh, Go to SAC, and then we have back-to-back Springfield Mile, as always, Labor Day weekend. And um, I'm wondering uh, if we're going to do the, you know, just for the singles, are they going to have the short track or not? Because it doesn't say it on the schedule. I don't think they are. Um, And I personally, and I strongly feel, and I'll go to the bitter end with this opinion, but I do not think singles should be on the mile. And it's, uh, you know, I have a, I have a sibling, Shana, who's raced in that class. And it is a terrifying thing to literally f- like have that much fear watching those riders race around that track on a 450. So I'm hoping they don't run the 450s on the mile. And for the naive fan out there listening, what's the difference? Springfield is a very easy track to race. There's not a single bump on the track. The corners are basically straightaways and the straightaways obviously are fucking straightaways, but the, how close the racing is, we've been very fortunate and lucky there in the past that we've never had anything happen, but it only it's, it'll take a minor chain coming off engine blow up, uh, coolant leak. And it'll be a, it'll be very bad as opposed to, some of these other tracks where there's separation, I don't love the 450s on most miles, but you can you it's it's somewhat feasible on the other ones. Springfield, it is it's it's just a different animal. So I'm hoping we don't run 450s there. And you you might disagree, but that's a that's a C text thought. So um, no, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's definitely sketchy for sure. I, I've seen the pictures. I've heard from other people. I've I've never raced it on a 450. I've only been on a Rotax or a bigger bike, but. Uh, like you said, though, the, the 450s are so close in horsepower and speed, but also even more important that a lot of people don't understand is that, you know, it's easy. And I'll, I'll give you an example as myself. I'm confident with the draft, I could stay in the lead pack. You know, obviously, I'd get tired, so we'll just stay for three laps or something. But you totally could. Whereas at Sacramento, I'd be probably two seconds a lap off at Sacramento. You know yeah, what I mean? I- that's like, that's the difference. And I don't want to sound arrogant. I've had this conversation with AFT, but there's riders in production twins. I don't even know they're in the class until Springfield. Like I don't even see these guys at the front of the pack, but because Springfield, the nature of the track and how equal everybody is, I'm racing with guys who I don't even like, I don't see them all year, but at Springfield, there's a pack of 12 of us. And uh, it's, it's just crazy how, how, how easy that track is to ride. Um, it's hard to win. It's really hard to win, but everybody's so equal there. So, uh, and, on a, and on a slower bike, especially a DTX bike that steps out, spins through the corners, 
it really evens it really evens up the playing field to a point where it's it's just stupid like to go out there and race for 1200 bucks 1500 bucks i i hate it um and i i'm not too vocal on stuff i mean i guess i am but i'm i'm gonna stand by that for sure so anyway springfield uh labor day yep. weekend jared meese nicole meese putting that on so be interesting to see how if there's any changes there with uh, new promoters. Uh, shout out to Dave and Tamra for all they did. Um, but then we move on to Cedar Lake Short Track in Wisconsin, New Richmond, Wisconsin. I don't know where the hell New Richmond is. I don't know anything about Cedar Lake. Um, I heard it's a three eighths or whatever outside of something else. So clay track, probably similar ish to maybe the new savannah or atlanta uh but i don't know much about it yeah i don't know much about it either um man it'd be cool if well i mean i don't even know if jesse knows anything about it realistically maybe he's raced there i don't know i haven't asked him but a lot of people were commenting today too just for all the facebook fans out there about um being uh oh my gosh short track on the indoor um Actually, uh, Sammy Halbert texted me all excited. I said, man, I, I don't think it's going to be the indoor, buddy. And then he texted me back with a sad face because, you know, obviously he's a pretty good indoor rider and a short tracker. But uh, that was pretty funny. Um, but, yeah, I don't know, man. It looks like just a regular old 3.8 car track, you know. Um, I'm excited because I know Wisconsin's got a lot of fans, especially for Merg and Jesse. Hopefully Jesse has a ride that weekend and the whole season, really. But, um but I know the uh, the Wisconsin they got some loyal fans up there, and they get rowdy too. Yeah, so that that's cool. Uh, I'm excited to go to a new state. I don't know if I've ever raced a national. I, don't, I no, I, I know I didn't. I think the last time they've had a national in Wisconsin was in 2003. So um, and I think I think that was part of the 100th anniversary Harley uh, deal they had. So cool. I'm excited for that. And then we finished the season. I hate that we finished the season three weeks later than the previous race like so much time to think about everything um but we go back to volusia we go back to volusia um you've shared your thoughts on volusia i like volusia <laughs> i go well there um it's also a track that if you if you don't do your job you can get caught in a bad situation quick because it's really hard to pass there so i like volusia but i also respect volusia where i need you need to do your job like you need to qualify good you need to get a good start or you uh, will have a very challenging day so but i think it's cool to finish in daytona during bike week uh the bike toberfest i think that's, that's a good move yeah i like you mentioned I, I would have loved to race daytona short track too but uh i get the logistics side of it um it's not the greatest place yeah. to have a high level event no, I would have said if nothing else, do it at the uh, make another TT. You know, I, I think. Well, that's I still a logistics that nightmare. TT. It is, but man, it's just such a <laughs> cool. I mean, I, I obviously this is why AFT doesn't hire me to build the schedule because I'm I'm sitting here looking at cool factor stuff. I'm an unlimited of, budget. You know, can we? Yeah, can we make money or lose money? Oh, we're definitely gonna lose money, but sign me up. I mean, bro, you're doing a 50 lap TT in a couple of weeks at uh, like a huge, yeah. I mean, uh, you're like Rainbow <laughs> Road on Mario Kart, just whatever, <laughs> throw it at us. Oh. I know um, it. That's the plan. I want, I want it to. Man, I, I'm really excited. I hope that there's 30 dudes signed up at least. I, I really do hope that I get that many because 
it's going to be just like a MotoGP style start. You know, we're going to have a open ceremony right there on your grid spot. I mean, it's, it's going to be as cool as I can make it, you know, um, realistically, but it's, it's going to be awesome, man. I mean, 50 laps, you think like, Oh, the old nationals are 25, but 50 is double for all you. I've done a 50 lap TT dude. And it is, it is no joke. Like not only does it, um, test your, your lungs and your, your fitness, but it also tests your, your, your hands. Like my, when I got done that 50 lap TT, my, my hands were bleeding. Like I had, uh, like my blisters on my hands and, um, it's, uh, you know, you're sore, like there's different aspects to a, to a race that long. Like, yeah, everybody's going to get tired, but it's like the other aspects of, uh, of that, that people might not think about. I wish I was coming down just for that, for that, that TT man. And, Me too. I'm yeah. still not, I'm still going to try and figure out a way, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm really, really, really excited about it, man. I'm, I'm, yeah. I put a lot of effort into it. I mean, I, I put effort into all my stuff, but, this is like my, my yearly baby here. And, uh, I love her so much. <laughs> <laughs> well, for the schedule, um, well, the, a couple of things that, uh, I want to compare it to the, the schedule this year, the tracks that aren't on the schedule, um, that we're on it this year. So there's no Atlanta TT. We've talked about that briefly. There's no Chicago half mile, no Joliet. Um, I won Joliet this year, but, uh, and it was really good racing, but personally as a rider, I didn't love it. Um, I don't like slick racetracks. It was kind of slick, but the fans really liked it. It was phenomenal racing. It's just, uh, we didn't get a lot of fans there. So for, for whatever reason, we're really struggling with, with getting fans in the Midwest, um, Illinois and Springfield, the, the, the fan count has gone down and, uh, you know, the coin would have been a nightmare with fans. We, there's nobody would have showed up to the coin. Uh, all the fans talk about, Oh, bring the coin back, but man, nobody shows up. So, uh, for, I know, and that's a bummer. Cause sorry, sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. No, you're, you're good, bro. Go ahead. Absolutely. Go ahead. I was just like, man, you brought up the coin and that's, I was never fast on the mile. I'm never fast anywhere, but the miles were definitely not my specialty, man, but God, I loved racing the coin. And then I got to ride it this year as an amateur again and uh, completely, completely forgot how much I loved it again. And I'm, I'm kind of bummed, man, because I wonder if that's going to affect where the amateur nationals are. But I know this is pro talk here. So the mile, man, I wonder, is it just because it's a coin? There's no real big towns around there. Are you there? Yep. I'm here. I, I unplugged my mic. Are you, are you there? Hold on a second. I'm here. Yep. Are you there? Yeah, I'm here. Hold on a second. If you can hear me, hold on. Yo. Uh, hold on a second. <laughs> hold on. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing over there? Hold on. I unplugged my thing. Can you hear me? Hold on. Yeah, I hear you. All right, hold on a second. I, I fucking tripped on my thing. Hold on. Can you hear me? Hold on. I hear you. Hold on. I don't know what the fuck's going on. I'm fucking cocked, bro. I had too many whiskey and orange juices. Are you there? Yep, I'm here. All right, cool. Sorry about that. Yeah, I had a... I'm a it's Thanksgiving Eve, man. I, I don't go out and get nasty like I did when I was younger, but had a few had a few too many drinks tonight so i tripped over my cord and unplugged it um <laughs> anyway the coin yeah i um 
I, I, yeah, I don't know if they'll what they're what they'll do for the amateur nationals. I don't think it'll affect it much, but um, I think that's a great venue for amateur nationals. But for like a pro race there as a promoter, I wouldn't, I wouldn't take it. Um, I just don't, the fans just don't show up. So, and it's, I, I heard you saying something about it, uh, something about um, because it's in the middle, did you say because it's, it's in the middle of nowhere that we said? Yeah. Yeah. It's like not near any big cities. Well, yeah, there's so what, two hotels, that in, many. there's two hotels in the whole town. I think like within 25 minutes, there's two hotels. So um yeah, it's probably why, but yeah, but bummed out. Um, yeah, OKC and then he's also not on the schedule. I was just gonna say, man, I got two more on here. No OKC mile, which I'm really bummed about that. Um, not just because I, I, I was, you know, I, we did well there last year, but I love going to OKC. The fans are just so appreciative. Um, so some of the most passionate fans we go visit all year. We had a double header there last year, and no no races there this year. And I know they have to schedule. It's pretty much father's day. I think every year, um, that's the only date they have open. So I don't know if it was a schedule conflict, but I mean, you take off Chicago, you take off two, two of the OKCs. That was three of my seven wins last year. So, um, so yeah, I'm a little, I'm a little bummed on the OKC thing. It's a real technical, racetrack it's always like 100 degrees uh so i always like that factor but more so just i'm bummed we can't be in that demographic like that part of the country yeah man that's what's weird it makes me wonder it's got to be scheduling because appearances wise it looked like there was a pretty good sized crowd and they were definitely rowdy and and hyped up too so um yeah i'm bummed about that one i mean i don't like any tracks not to come back but i understand sometimes you just have to make a change or, or you know the schedule just doesn't fit so it is what yeah. it is i guess with that being said no charlotte so we're finished finishing the year at volusia not going back to charlotte which is another track i've i've uh, i've done well at in the past as a rider i won there t- last year 2020 so um but i think that's probably a good move we've the last two years we've been there we've had like a lot of rain off and on and that, I don't know what it is. Maybe that time of the year in Charlotte, it's very rain heavy, but um, I'm stoked to finish the year in, in Daytona, like essentially. Um, I think that's, that's cool. Charlotte was cool though. It wasn't like, it's not a bad place to finish the year, but, um, but I understand that, that aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess, I don't know. Uh, it's hard to tell at Charlotte cause it's such a big set of grandstands. Cause it looked like there was nobody there, but hell, there still could have been a couple thousand people, but um, I don't know. I wonder if it was a, a budget deal or a scheduling deal, because you're right. It, it has rained kind of feel like Peoria, you know, it's three out of the last five times we've been there has been either rain delayed or a rain cancellation or, or something, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I mean, to, like from a- to be honest, man, there, there wasn't very many people at Charlotte, um, but so like I, I had a couple notes here and then I'll let you kind of t- touch upon it and then we'll, we'll wrap this up. But the, um, so what I would like to see different with the schedule and this is a non rider, like I can, I mean, I'd like Timonium indoors and just stuff that I'm good at, but um, this is a non, this is just for the, the better, the better of the, uh, of the series and what I think would be good. I would like to see another one or two races in the North um, I think there's a huge market for the fans and the riders. 
uh, RPA races, Williams Grove, Port Royal, you know, you see the grandstands are packed. We have a, a lot of riders from Pennsylvania, Maryland. Um, I think it'd be, I don't know if there's as many from Maryland anymore, but um, a lot of PA racers. And I think it'd be really good to, to do one at Williams Grove, to do one at Hagerstown, um, to add those. I think that would be good. Um, I wish we had one in Southern California. I wish we'd go back to Paris. Um, for obvious reasons, the industry is so strong in Southern California. It's the heartbeat of, of anything to do with motorcycle racing, to be honest. Um, so SoCal back there, my, my team's based out of SoCal as well, uh, g Racing. And then I wish we had one in Michigan. I w- the history with Michigan, with that state, the riders, uh, the fans, it's been probably a decade since we've been there. Um, I think the fans would show up. I think they'd be hype. Um, what are what are you thinking as far as as far as that goes? Um, yeah, so definitely in agreement with the Pacific Northwest, simply because it's like a breeding ground for really fast racers, you know. Um, and it's been going back to the the seventies. And for some reason, they're all really good at TTs also, which is really weird why that, that works. But um, and then um, SoCal Paris was awesome. Uh, I love that place. I wonder why if it has still to do with COVID. You know, because I think California is still kind of locked down in a lot of things, especially like SoCal. But I wonder, um, it'd be nice to go back there for sure. I mean, it seemed like it was really packed, too. Like, I want to say that there was a pretty good amount of fans there. So, um, I I don't know. I'd I'd like to see them go back. Uh, Michigan, uh, obviously reasons. There's a lot of racers from Michigan, and there's a lot of history, like you said. I wonder, wonder, though, what facilities, because you don't really hear any – big races in, in Michigan. I mean, you got a bunch of district stuff, which is cool, but, um, and I, I don't know what, uh, was it I 96 or Lake Odessa or something where Michigan was? Yeah. Lake Odessa. Um, when the hell did was we it a go car back? track? Yeah, it's a car track, but you ride it like a cushion kind of, that's actually where George Roeder got his first win and he's a cushion rider. And I want to say that's where Steve yeah. Beatty got his win. Um, and he's a cushion rider. So, uh, I've raced there. I only raced there maybe twice. I remember, I think it was 2010 or 2009 was the last time I raced there, but I remember racing there as like a basic expert in 07 and I got on the podium, but it was a really aggressive clay half mile. Um, and I know they still like run there. They like riders, they, they have like amateur races there sometimes. So, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of finding promoters, man. I really do. So, um, yeah. Yeah, wish... that's true, man. It's, it's a big gamble for sure. Yeah. So that's kind of our little tidbit on the schedule. I, I think it's pretty good. Um, a little bit of a variety, five miles, I think there was. And I didn't do the math on the others. <laughs> there was, was two, five miles, <laughs> um, two TTs. We got three short tracks, seven half miles, three short tracks. And then there's four, five, six, seven, eight, eight half miles, maybe. Um, so yeah, kind of, I think this is the first three, three short tracks. That's pretty, I mean, there's two new ones back on the schedule this year. As far as short tracks go, I think we need more short tracks to be honest. So that's, Oh, for sure and still sure. man i don't get it man one one cushion racetrack all year 
Um, now that OKC's off, yeah, really one cushion racetrack at Lima, which is crazy because we, you know, back I just had Dougie Lawrence on. We talked about, you know, Greenville. And we talked about, uh, I think we, I don't know if he mentioned it, but Sciota Downs and Vernon and Monticello and a lot of racetracks that we don't, you know, there's not enough cushions. Um, you actually. know, I wonder if it's because, like, of, of track prep stuff, you know, because it is very, very, very difficult. Um, a lot that? of these fairground facilities are pretty pretty outdated as well, but... Um, That's true, too. That's true. But, yeah, I mean, because I guess you're not going to go to a cushioned car track, really, so it's got to be horse facilities, and horse facilities, you know, for the most part, unless you're going to these really, really expensive expensive places which um may or may not you know because there was um that kind of a cushion in arizona a few years back um it was not a cushion the one where <laughs> cop one what's that that was like not a cushion that was it, i mean i mean you could technically say sacramento mile and the red mile start off as a cushion but they quickly rubber up you know like whereas okc was that was a cushion um yeah, it's a bummer, man. I, I just noticed that. I mean, I've noticed it before, but I'm a little little uh, thrown aside by that, perplexed. honestly. Yeah, perplexed. I'm thinking of the word here. Like I said, I'm about about two or three um, – I, yeah, <laughs> two or three drinks in. So, um, yeah, that's that's crazy. But, no, I mean, I think the schedule's great. I think uh, it's – it's. Uh, I'm, I'm excited for it as a rider. Um, logistically, I don't, I don't know the ins and outs of if, uh, how it works, but – um, looking at it as a rider in the series, I like it. Um, so cool. I'm glad they got it out end of November. I think that is a, a viable time frame. I know it wasn't too long ago. We weren't, we weren't getting the schedule until middle of January. So, uh, kudos to AFT and, and those guys for, for getting that out. Um, I guess one more thing we could talk about briefly is, uh, they had the tire test at the red mile, man. Any, uh, any insight on that? Um, not as much as I'd like, honestly. I know uh, I saw a few pictures. Uh, I was super happy to see Yamaha testing. Uh, that just shows you that, you know, that Tim Essenson and Tommy Hayden, those guys, they're they're never going to be satisfied until they're consistently winning. I know that they they want to win every time they can, especially on the TTs. But I think that uh, I think the biggest smile in the world would be, you know, JD or Dallas or whoever's riding their Super Twins to to win like a clay half mile you know, like a car track. I think that right there or Springfield, you know, um, I think Sammy got pretty close on the Yamaha, um, when he wrote it, if I remember correctly, but, uh, you know, they were there. Uh, Shana was there, which is awesome. And then, um, was there any singles there or was it just, a, I saw like a, a KTM, uh, hooligan bike. And then I think I saw, um, the latest team there. So, um, I don't know. Do you have any, anything to add to that? I mean, uh, yeah, my my younger sister was in attendance, and we uh, we don't talk about that stuff too much, man. Uh, I talked to her on the phone a little bit today, and she was pretty much just asking me what uh, what I wanted for Thanksgiving. Um, I told her, see, I don't like. Uh, I'm getting a little off topic here, real quick, but I don't like Thanksgiving food. Like, I don't like uh, turkey and gravy and filling and cranberry, all that bullshit. So I, I did a group I'm about to hang up on you. <laughs> You're into it? Oh, my God. I'm the dude that's, like, 
four plate deep and then like miserable but I'm still like, oh, look at that dessert tray over there. <laughs> <laughs> I just don't like Thanksgiving yeah, food, it. man. I just so like I suggested. I thought it was a good like. Let's do like a taco bar. Let's do like a Mission Foods like taco type deal for Thanksgiving. And they were like, ah, we like our traditional Thanksgiving food. Like we can throw some Mission tortilla shells in there, but um, we want turkey and gravy and filling and all that bullshit. I'm like, well, I guess I'm gonna guess i'm i'm voted out on this deal but um but anyway we didn't we didn't talk about the test too much man i know briar was there he didn't ride uh you know bronson i saw was there riding and johnny lewis i saw some pictures of him riding riding the infield i wonder was it an open test or was it just twins or just production what was the deal i don't know how the invite deal worked to be honest i uh I reached out and I talked to them a little bit about it, but uh, yeah, just trying to get, uh, I think a good base. They didn't really mention this too much on the social channels, AFT, but I think they're just trying to get a good base for rules packages going forward, trying to get the bikes more competitive with, with one another. And I know B Smith was there riding the different bikes and offering feedback, but I don't know. Like, like I said, I don't know exactly what was, um, what came out of the test necessarily, but I know they were putting the effort in. So um, I didn't know. That's I mean, good. I mean, I'm happy to see him put. You're the insight guy, dude. Like you're on Facebook. You're you're getting to the core of the people, and I just thought you'd have more to give me on the fucking test. Like you got nothing for me on the well, test. I mean, I did see. Like I said, I tried to allude to it. But you didn't hear me, but um, is uh, gosh, hold on. How would I say this? Is your step brother-in-law riding for latest is that a step step brother-in-law what, what, what would what would that be brombo because i want to say i just saw something dropped here just in the last hour oh really did he post something i mean i'm just saying <laughs> i mean i i was getting excited for bronson's hooligan career dude like i i saw him standing next to a hooligan bike and i was like bro bronson would be a excellent hooligan rider he he's pretty good at drinking beer or he's really good at drinking beer he's a full send rider if i was starting a hooligan team he'd be one of my top guys um he'd be my oh, for recruit sure. for he'd be a high recruit so if oh, he'd if be he, one of my top guys for any team twins or singles or hooligans so if he has a deal um i don't know man i didn't know much about it i uh you hear things, but I was hoping he'd ride hooligans next year. Bummer. Damn. I don't know, man. I mean, maybe maybe that was part of the deal with latest. Maybe they're gonna give him a, a hooligan and a, a full, you know, super twin. I'm not sure. It's and and the only reason that even made somewhat sense, I believe Rispoli gave a nice uh parting um post for thanking latest, you know, for working with him for the years and whatnot. So um maybe it maybe it's gonna fit all together like a nice little puzzle. I just got on. I'm sitting here. <laughs> I just got on the uh, Instagram to uh to see the announcement two hours ago. Latest Motors Racing, join us and welcome them number number thirty seven Bronson Bauman to Latest Motors Racing. So, uh yeah, I, I obviously I knew that. Um, <laughs> uh yeah. So I I did know I I knew that I didn't know to what extent. I don't know what the, what their deal is. Like I don't know how it's laid out, but. Uh, good for Bronson, man. He deserves it. He's he's a 
badass, phenomenal rider. And uh, I really like Bronson. He's family, and I'm excited he's got a deal to go racing. We need personalities and, and talent, skill level like Bronson on the on the grid. So, uh, yeah, good for him. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Anybody getting uh, anybody getting a ride, you know, in the sport, I'm I'm stoked. I just and latest, they're such a good team, man. They're they're very nice guys. They're uh, absolutely they're always helpful. They're friendly, and uh, you know, I'm I'm happy to see it. You know, I'm happy to see them stay in the sport. I was hoping, really hoping that it wasn't just you know them getting out when James made his his little post, but uh, uh, and then also obviously I want to see James back. So maybe he, hopefully he's got something in the works too. Yeah, absolutely. So that's, uh, that's a wrap, man. I think we covered quite a bit, dude. I really appreciate you coming on and, and helping me with, uh, this segment of the show. I, I really appreciate your insight. I don't want to give you too many compliments to be honest, but, uh, appreciate you, you coming on. Um, are you in the bathtub or are you, are you not in there anymore? No, 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 bath, <laughs> no bathtub tonight, man. I'm actually, uh, getting packed up. We're doing, uh, I've got to make a little Thanksgiving trip to uh, Danielle's uh, father's and his uh, his better half over in Louisiana. So I might be having a, a Cajun-style Thanksgiving, so I'll keep you posted on that. Jealous, dude. Yeah, I know you're a big yep. bathtub guy. Um, just from my Super time, big bathtub guy. My time staying at your house, you, you, you're like, all right, I'm going to go get a bath. I'm like, oh okay um well i'll see you when you get out <laughs> so, uh, yeah that's right <laughs> oh man yeah man it's, i don't know man I, i'm just i mean i obviously shower too you know it's just like i don't know i guess i'm either too cheap or too poor or both to uh to buy a hot tub so a big koozie <laughs> tub is like the next best thing i guess too cheap too cheap it's not too poor it's too cheap like that's the that's the flat track mo it's we are too fucking cheap we're not too poor well a lot of us are too poor and too. Then, it's cheap then poor and I'm, yeah and i'm not buying a used hot tub man i'm just not i'm not doing it <laughs> <laughs> oh shit all right man well thanks for coming on dude i'll uh i'll i'll probably talk to you tomorrow or something but thanks for coming on the pod right, man. Yeah. appreciate oh, you it know i'm gonna be texting you tomorrow and bsing with you anyway so all right well um you guys have a good night and a happy thanksgiving all right man see ya later ah what a show i want to make sure we shout out our sponsors one more time they they really do make this happen for us and if you can follow them on social media bell power sports check out bellhelmets.com to view their full line of products yamaha motorsports and yamaha racing uh, motorcycle, ATV, side-by-side, snowmobile, and power products. Yamaha revs your heart. Indian Motorcycle. Since 1901, Indian Motorcycle has been the choice of riders who make their own rules. Check out a local dealership near you and go test ride a bike. I uh, really appreciate Indian supporting our podcast and the sport of flat track racing. Also, a big shout out to Jerry Stinchfield Roof Systems of Dallas, Texas, commercial and industrial roofing company with nearly 40 years of experience. That's a long ass time doing roofs. Um, hit up his website, commercialroofsystems.net. Winter throwdown. It is coming up. It's, it's terrifying how close that race is, is, is coming for me. It's a lot of hard work. Uh, Mission Foods want to thank them again. Once again, for sponsoring the event, we have a $5,500 purse each day in the open expert class, $1,600 purse each day in the hooligan class, Randy Texter Memorial Dash for Cash for the pros. John Reed Memorial Dash for Cash for the amateurs. Anywhere within, let's say, 2,000 miles of Florida, 
in January, make the trip actually far, farther, further away. We have a lot of guys coming from California, uh, Mike, Vi- Mike Vital and uh, Travis Horn and uh, Resendez. Uh, a bunch of people are coming from California to Florida to uh, take part in the winter throwdown. So make sure you go on winterthrowdown.com, get the info, classes, rules, awards, um, pre-entry forms are on there. Send your pre-entry forms in really, really excited for the winter throwdown. We got a lot of really cool things planned for that event. So, um, Callahan, Callahan Speedway in Callahan, Florida. So shout out to everybody. Help me out with that event. All the fans that tune in and listen to us ramble on here and just bullshit about the sport we love. Shout out to you guys that, uh, you guys are the backbone in, in this, uh, endeavor, soundcloud itunes spotify give us a subscribe and uh, that's a wrap man we got thanksgiving tomorrow i'm stoked to hang out with my family and we'll uh, we'll come back we got some good guests lined up and we'll we'll get back out of the end next week we out <laughs>